live. All right. Welcome in everybody who's listening. I am Ethan Brooks, as you all know, joined this week by a recent friend, Abby Shaw. Um, and we're going to talk about newsletters. So Abby has some really interesting stuff going on. He is the creator behind a newsletter called Psychology of Marketing, which has grown incredibly fast. Um, he is also the creator of Newsletters 101, which is a, I'll call it a media company around, based around newsletters because it started as a podcast and has expanded into newsletters as well. In fact, I think you've published more newsletters than podcasts so far, right? Yeah, by far. So that, yeah, yeah. So you got that going on. And um, and then uh, not a contrarian thinker or what is it? Non-contrarian thinking? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of media brands going on. Um, but I'm stoked to have you in. So the, for the background, for people listening, uh, Avi reached out when he was first launching the podcast to set up an interview, uh, cause I've done some research in the newsletter world and he wanted to get some of those insights for his listeners. And just in the course of the conversation, I realized that like, I wasn't just talking to somebody who was interested in newsletters. He's done an incredible job growing his own so far. So psychology of marketing is about six months old, maybe a little less. I looked back at the archives and the content goes back like four to five months, really seriously. In mm. that time, you've grown it to somewhere between 15 and 20,000 subscribers and $30,000 in revenue. And is that a revenue or is that like a run rate? So running run rate. So it's, it's like a annual revenue projected. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So yeah, so 30K revenue in like run rate so far. Mm but it's still incredibly early. So that's like very, it's, it's awesome. You're, you're crushing it. So what I wanted to do was flip the script, pull him into this show and uh, learn more about how he's doing it. So Abby, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm like glad to be here and um, yeah, just, just excited to chat news that is at any point. So let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, and by the way, I don't know if people can hear this, but he's like, he's young as hell too. What are you like 22, 23, something like that? 20? Uh, 20. Yeah. 20. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So um, yeah, there's a ton that I want to talk to you about, but why don't we start with newsletters? So you say on your website, you know, obsessed with newsletters. That's kind of like one of the ways that you characterize yourself. Can you just take me back the last couple of months? Where'd that obsession come from? Why did this become your thing? I mean, I think how like most newsletter related stories start today is like when you start reading either The Hustle or The Morning Brew. I think that's like a general college kid's introduction to newsletters. Um, <laughs> so like that's how it started. I was like just reading Hustle, The Morning Brew, like a loyal subscriber. And um, I I was actually looking for internships my junior summer. Uh, no, sorry, my, my sophomore summer. I'm a junior right now. So my sophomore summer, I was looking for internships. And at that point, I'd already started creating some content on Twitter. And something caught my eye. So I saw this, like, this buzz on Twitter. I kept seeing Beehive, like, at Beehive. This is, like, the best email service provider and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, like, I really need to know what this is. So I checked it out. And then um, I found, like, the tool itself, like, very interesting. And... I was in that phase of my life where I wanted to start something, you know, like start a startup. And I think like at this point, like every college kid wants to start a startup. So I was like at that point and I was just looking for something to do. And I was like, I think since I'm already doing Twitter and like I'm getting some traction, maybe I can like leverage that audience and like build a newsletter 
I, I wouldn't say business at the time. I was just thinking like more so like a side project. And that's how it started. So I started using Beehive. And I love the platform so much that I cold emailed Tyler, the founder of Beehive, like two or three months before my summer started. Um, he didn't reply the first time. I followed up with him. And then he finally replied. I got on a call with him. Um, and then, so that was like sort of the first interview. Then we had like a second interview. And like literally in the summer, I was like working with them from India remotely. And that no was like way. by far one of the best experiences because that team ships super fast and they know so much about newsletters. And like, that's when I think the rabbit hole started. Like I was just like learning so much about the newsletter space that I couldn't help but like get obsessed with it. And I think that's, that's where the obsession started. That's fascinating. I didn't realize that actually about your background. So I know Tyler, I would actually talk to him like right when he was planning to start Beehive. For people listening, Tyler Dank was, uh, he's the founder of Beehive. He's also, he was employee number one, essentially at Morning Brew. Him him and employee number two were hired on the same day. So it's kind of <laughs> like when twins have the same birthday and they argue over who's older. Um, but yeah, he's a growth engineer by trade, built out a ton of the Morning Brew's systems that made like their company so um, successful. And then when the Morning Brew, uh, sold to business insider as typically happens in like an exit some of the employees stay some of the employees use that as an opportunity to go launch their own thing so he i think went to google for a while and then launched um beehive shortly thereafter so he was super helpful in some of the research that we were doing at the hustle like just on the newsletter industry i had no idea you worked with him yeah, um, like what kind of stuff were you doing there so um, I was learning like growth marketing stuff. So I was interested in marketing. I want to do something in that space. And like I was doing growth marketing stuff. But more than that, I was just like sitting there, like sitting in all the meetings and like learning about the news that is space, like what visions Tyler and his team have, which are pretty spectacular if you ask me. So, yeah. Do, uh, do you mind telling me a little bit more about that? Like I want to hear about both of those things. So um, and to whatever degree you can talk, I know you don't speak for Tyler, but like, yeah. what what was it that was so captivating about their vision for newsletters? So I think um, I actually started off by like reading about Tyler before I even emailed him, and it was this piece on Medium that he wrote on Morning Brew's referral program, and like he goes in like I'm sure you must have read it too, but he yeah. goes super into the depth over there, and I just found that so fascinating. Like this guy is definitely obsessed with newsletters as well, um, and then like. When you talk to him, like the first time I spoke to him, um, I we spoke about how he wants to build this like ad platform that is like the equivalent of a Facebook. And that vision like was what like got me hooked because I saw him talk about the same thing on the on another podcast as well. So just like seeing his vision and like seeing how he was going about it, like that was like his North Star. And like today, like they actually launched an ad network. So you can clearly see that they're working towards it. But back then it was like eight. Uh, like a team of eight and like me and that was like such a cool time to be part of this like small startup because like when you see it today or like when you see it like five years down the line like I'm hoping I can like go around and be like you're like I worked at that startup because like yeah. I feel like that's going to be like a pretty cool thing to say <laughs> yeah something tells me that's definitely going to work out yeah. I mean for people um listening to uh, Bia is really interesting for a few different reasons. So I think a lot of people might look at it on the surface and be like, oh, this is like a sub stack. And that's not entirely inaccurate because they are a newsletter platform, but a lot of their models are very different from sub stack. Mm -hmm. So like where sub stack takes a cut 
of revenue. Beehive is a straight membership fee, right? Like you pay. Yeah, it's a, a subscription-based thing instead of a fee-based, commission-based thing. Yeah. So, and again, for people listening, like the reason that's important is uh, one thing, and this has been a challenge for Substack so far, as a newsletter business grows, if you're paying a portion of your revenue to your email subscriber, like very quickly, that can seem out of proportion with the value that, or like, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it just becomes a huge number. So you have, uh, what is Substack these days? Is it 10%? Yeah, I think it's around 10%. Yeah. So if you're, if your newsletter is doing like, a million dollars a year, which several Substackers are, you're paying like a hundred thousand dollars a year for uh, for the platform. And so yeah. the idea with Beehive, one of the things that they first differentiated themselves on was this concept of like, no, we're just going to charge a flat um, subscription fee. Yeah. Uh, but then there's like you said, the ad network, and then um, so the inbuilt referral program. Like Tyler is like basically known for the referral program and stakes on that at Morning Brew. And he like took that and basically spun it up to build like an inbuilt referral program. So like I can go on Beehive right now and in like 20 clicks or like maybe even like 10 clicks, build the entire referral program structured almost closely to Morning Brew's referral program, which has done wonders for them. That's so wild. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So it was a cool team to, to work on and you were, you were literally learning growth marketing from the guy, you know? Yeah. So uh, okay. what were... What were some of the things that you picked up there that you still carry with you in terms of like your approach to growth marketing? Like growth, so one thing I realized like right off the bat was how much Tyler spoke with like the people who use Beehive. Like it was absurdly high. And like he was basically friends with all of the people who would like write on Beehive, talk about Beehive. They would like tweet something and he would reply in like two minutes. And like he was just like always there. So like one thing out of the bat was just like always listen to your customers, like maybe even like making friends with the people who like your early adopters or whatever, right? Like he he made like a conscious effort to do that. And then you saw it like in the results as well. Cause when they asked for like a, like a few changes, he would tell them, yeah, like I'm on it. Like he would be realistic about it. Like if it's like down the timeline, he would say that and he would actually ship it. And when you do that, like when you keep doing that, all your users or all your early users want to like, they'll, they'll push your content. And like, that's why when I open Twitter, I'm always seeing like, oh, Beehive is great for this. Beehive is great for that. And I feel like that's like part of the entire thing, like that entire feedback circle. So yeah, that was that was definitely one thing that I learned right off the bat. Um, what else? Mm, I think, yeah, I think. Sorry, you have a question? No, I'll I'll let you go first. And I have a follow. Uh, I think yeah. So the the other thing that like I actually found very interesting and like why I wanted to work with them instead of like other email service providers that I could have reached out to as well was um, the the flat subscription fee. I thought that was very cool, especially from like a creator's perspective. So I think when it comes to growth marketing, it's like very important to have a mission that like aligns with your users and like makes almost like all the other platforms seem like the enemy in some sense because they're taking away from your user's cut and you're the person saving it. So like having some sort of a narrative built around it and I think that's what like Beehive's like flat subscription fee did for them. So like that's oh, that's my that's opinion on it. Very interesting. Yeah, like an us versus them kind of thing, or a yeah, exactly. Goliath kind of thing. Um, you mentioned his ability to sort of stay on top of the conversation around Beehive. Did you get into did you get any insight on how he does that? Like, is he setting up Twitter alerts for the Beehive name or or day to day? Do you have any insight on, on like uh 
tools people could use to do a better job of what he was doing? So, so there are tools and like, I'll walk through them shortly, but like with Tyler, he's just like, if I'm like this obsessed with newsletters mm-hmm. and you're like probably a little more, mm-hmm. he's like through the roof. Like he, he used to like, I, I knew like daily routine was like very weird because I was in India at like my time in the evening, which is like five or 6 a.m. in wherever he stays, we would get, I would get like a Slack alert from him. And he's like, I just woke up thinking about this, this, and this. And like, he just gets up, gets his cold brew, and like he's straight to work. Like that guy is mad obsessed. So I think that definitely played a big part. But something that I've been doing recently, because I want to be known more in the news that is space, is I set up this thing on, do you know what TweetDeck is? Uh, I have a passing familiarity with it. Is that yeah, so, owned by Twitter? Yeah, That's so now Twitter's it is owned by Twitter. Yeah. Like, I, I just like checked this out yesterday and even I realized that it's owned by Twitter now. But it's basically like you can set up um, like two or three columns with like specific search queries or like say your notifications. So like for now, I have like a list that I follow of like Twitter marketers that I want to keep up with. And then the other list is like, the I just kept the word newsletters in the search and I sorted by like most liked or like most featured. So on the right, every time someone writes the word newsletters and it's getting some traction, I can see it. And if I can help in any way, then I try to respond. So that's how oh. I keep up with it. And that's that's how I think most founders or like people, you know, want like known for a domain can keep up with it. That's super interesting. Uh, is there anything else that you're using? Because you're you're on Twitter mm-hmm. and maybe we'll talk about your Twitter strategy in a little bit, but uh, your, your sort of broader Twitter strategy. But you're also in other places too. So you and I are both in um, Jacob Donnelly's a media operator Slack group. Mm-hmm. Um, you joined trends recently. So are there any other tools that you're using to sort of, uh, pipe information into like your awareness? So that's actually something that like, I want to work on more consciously. I feel like right now my like source of knowledge is mainly limited to Twitter because like, I just like spend time writing, like engaging with people and then like also just like reading on Twitter. So I just spend way too much time there. <laughs> so I'm trying to like also like give a shot to LinkedIn, Reddit. Like Reddit is a platform I find like extremely interesting. So like that's some somewhere I want to move as well. But in terms of like having like information getting funneled, like it's either Twitter or like newsletters. So that's that's about it. That's interesting. What do you find so fascinating about Reddit? I don't know. I just feel like the entire like you're anonymous and you can still like and if you still make it on Reddit, it's, that feels like the ultimate stamp of like good content because mm. it's like regardless of your identity, if you have like a lot of Reddit karma, that means you actually have like really good content or you're just like absolutely funny and like people love that as well. So I think That's interesting. Yeah, either way. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so you had this opportunity with Tyler. This sparks uh, even more of an obsession with newsletters. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, so. Uh, psychology of marketing psychology of marketing started as something slightly different right and then about a couple of months in you like you pivoted and you said hey this is something that i really want to focus on what can you just walk me through like the first couple of months there what did it start as and then um when did you really get serious about it yeah so um it actually started like before i even worked with tyler so that was like last summer in june that's when i started working with tyler in march i launched this news no, last summer, this summer, sorry. Uh, and then in, in March, what I did was I launched this newsletter with a friend called The Water Cooler. And it was like a, like a very basic curated newsletter with like five links every week. It was like 
two other newsletter editions, two podcast episodes in one like free resource. So it was that kind of a, that it was like a very simple like curated newsletter. Um, and then I just wasn't feeling it, wasn't fun, wasn't valuable. And like the best way to tell if it's like, if you're building something valuable is like checking your DMs. And my DMs was like flooded with like, n- like not a lot of cool people. So I was like, maybe it's time to like step it up. And then um, I was like, what can I write about? And I was like, you know, like, I don't know much about marketing, but I'm learning a lot right now. And like, that's definitely where I want to go in the future. So I just picked up marketing. And then from like March to June, I was writing about just marketing and like, I struggled to hit like what, 700 subscribers, or like maybe even a thousand. My opening rate was like 30%. And it was just like, it was just like not going well. Um, and then like, I kept trying, I kept trying, didn't change much. I was just like, maybe just get a bit, get better with time. And that didn't happen. And then when I worked with Tyler and his team in B, like at, at Beehive in the summer, I learned like so much more about like what the better, or, like what the best newsletters are doing. So I was like, you know, like most of them are like very niche. So I think that's where I needed to start. And that's when I started like niching down. And I asked myself like two or three questions. One being like, if I had to break down marketing, like three pillars, what three pillars would I pick? And then after that, it was um, out of these three pillars, what placed my strengths? And the last one was like, am I like obsessed enough with this topic to write about for like 52 weeks straight? Because like, that's how I was thinking of it. And then it was, it just all came down to marketing psychology because I'm a psych major at Northwestern right now. And like, I'm always reading like those kind of books, like predictably rational and like listening to Dan Ariely podcast and stuff like that. So I was like, this, this is like just the logical next step. And when I niched down, it was a slow start, but then stuff really started to pick up because people started to see me as like a domain, like expert in that space. And like, they knew what to expect from me versus like anything in the marketing realm, which is already so competitive. And I think, so from June where I had like, maybe 2000 subscribers to like November now, which is like four or five months later, I've gone from like 2000 to 16,500 and something. That's awesome. Yeah. And people can actually see this evolve over time. So I was checking out the history of psychology and marketing today, and I'm looking back in the archives and um, it looks like the very first post that I see, at least on the, on the psychology of marketing beehive, Mm -hmm. which it sounds like, there was like a little bit of a transition there because you were writing about other stuff beforehand, but yeah. this is, you know, I, I archive the older posts. Just oh, okay. like not confuse anyone. <laughs> yeah. Smart move. Um, but yeah, your numbers are like are spot on. So it says right here, uh, happy Thursday to the 1500 or 1523 aspiring marketers. So yeah, you were about 1500 writers back then. And then you ask, you, you lay out this really cool, um, uh, newsletter on the decoy effect. And at the very bottom, you're like, this is something that I want to focus more on the psychology of marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, based on today's edition, would you find it valuable if I double down on the psychology of marketing? And then mm-hmm. there's like two options, hell yes and heck no. So I thought this was an awesome uh, snapshot of sort of a turning point. And like you said, okay, over the last four months, you basically 10x the size of the newsletter. So can we talk a little bit about some of your most effective growth channels since then. And by the way, the reason, one of the reasons that I wanted to pull you in here is because, well, and I've told you this a couple of times, we've had a few chances to chat Mm -hmm. um, since over the last couple of weeks, but like, these are truly great results. And I would say they are on par with what I've seen from other people who, who uh, like do exceptionally well in media 
And I, I, I typically encounter those people later in their journey. So, you know, I'm talking like Sam Parr, Tyler, um, you know, like, I don't know, James Altucher, all these other people who have already built multi-million dollar media companies. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go way back in their uh, history, they were aggressive about growth early on. And sometimes when I'm uh, looking at other newsletters that I really admire, I'm surprised to find writers who I think are so great. And then they're, and then they're saying like, you know, I've sent 90 issues of such and such newsletter and, you know, just hit 2000 subscribers. And uh, what I want to paint is a picture for people to realize that you can and probably should, but, but certainly can grow a lot faster than a thousand subscribers a year if you are more aggressive on the growth strategy side of things mm-hmm. rather than the content side. So you're really nailing that. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the main drivers of growth have been for this newsletter over the last four months? Yeah, I definitely can. Um, so like just one thing, like before I start on the growth tactics is a lot of people say like, oh, like your newsletter is like, if you have good content, it'll spread. And like, I just completely disagree with that because one, your content has to be so good for it to spread just based on the content's merit that like you have to be like one of the smartest thinkers out there. And like right off the bat, like I knew that like, I'm I'm definitely not there, at least not yet. So I was like, I, I need to work on my distribution strategy as much as possible. And like, I kind of made the switch from like 100% content to like say like 60, 70% content and like 40 or 30% growth. And then what I did for growth was, um, so I just started to look at what like, the newsletters that are growing really quickly are doing already. So one of the newsletters that I look up to, Justin Welsh, he writes on Twitter and LinkedIn and his newsletter called The Saturday Solopreneur. He's grown to like past 60,000 now in like the last few months. And it's been like incredible to watch his journey. So I was trying to just like distill like what he did and how he did it. And then he launched a course on like how he grew his newsletter. So I was like, okay, cool. Like might as well take it. And um, so one thing that I noticed was he has this, content distribution strategy and that was the main driver for my organic growth was that every time I write a newsletter I spin it up into a thread the next day I spin it up into like three or four like small tweets that I spread across like the next month or two because I don't want to be talking about the same topic like every day for one week so I spread across like the next one or two months and then you also like spin up like two or three CTAs so like take a fun fact from the newsletter and be like if you want to read more and see how marketers are implementing it today. And then I do the same thing across like one or two months again. So that's like a lot of different like content spread across like one or two months. And that all comes from like the same newsletter. So that's what I adopted. I adopted like the newsletter first content strategy. And then I spun it across Twitter in like multiple formats. So that gave me like one that gave me like, um, you know, like, like simple system to like spread my content out and get more clicks, even though I've written it a month back. But to it also like saved me a lot of time because now like before I even start writing content for the week, half my week is already filled up. So that's, that's, that's just like a very big, like very good bonus to have. Um, so that was number one, like that was the organic growth strategy. Another thing that I did that worked really well that a lot of people don't do is um, the Twitter giveaways. And um, I think like this was what like, I don't know, I just feel like a lot of people's so let me explain what Twitter giveaway is first. So it's basically, you have like a tweet where you say, um, I just spun up uh, the ultimate swipe file on threads on marketing psychology. I was going to charge 50 bucks for it. And this is actually how it started. I was going to like spin it up and like charge 50 bucks on Gumroad. And then I was like thinking like, what if I put it on Twitter? And like, I can get probably a thousand subscribers 
and that itself is worth like way more than 50 bucks right mm-hmm. so i was like let me try that first if that doesn't work then we'll do the gumroad thing anyways so i i did it the first time and then i said um i was going to sell it for 50 bucks but i'll gi- i'm giving it away for free today if you want this just hit just reply free and i'll send it to you and um like i i still remember that day like i i tried it for the first time in the summer and that was my first like very big jump in the newsletter i i added like almost 2000 subscribers overnight wow. and like i still remember sitting in my bed at like 4am and like looking at the graph go i'm like i just i just can't stop watching this so like i'm just going to see like how far it goes i slept i woke up the next morning and like almost 2000 subscribers from that one giveaway and a lot of people like had a problem with it because when you press free i send a dm with a link that goes to my beehive blog and that's behind like a gated um like page so you got to drop your email and subscribe to my newsletter to get access to it and like that's where a lot of people think like oh like you shouldn't do like opt in like and they put in brackets saying like no opt in required and i feel like you know what like i've put in like 4 or 5 hours doing this i think like if you like this you'll definitely like my content so i'm not i'm not like afraid to ask for an email mm-hmm. so if you want it you drop your email you take it and if you don't want to stick with the newsletter just subscribe like just unsubscribe after but i i still feel like it's only fair to ask for people to subscribe to watch or like cuz like it's something i would charge 50 bucks for but i'm giving it away for free mm-hmm. the least you could do is give me your email and then if you don't want to subscribe or stay subscribed you can just unsubscribe after so that that's what i did and like it's worked very well so i do it like by mo- like i do it like once every two months mm-hmm. and it's been adding like i've done it twice and it's added like 4000 subscribers and like wow. that's been like amazing the only caveat is um the quality of subscribers is not great because a lot of people come they like check it out they want the swipe file and then they churn which is fair right but the ones who stick around have a pretty solid open rate and like for me like seeing even like 50% of the 4000 or like 5000 stick around and like enjoy the content makes yeah. doing all of this worth it regardless of like what people say about like you shouldn't be asking for emails if you're doing a free giveaway like i don't know like i feel like it's fine so i'm going to continue doing it and yeah yeah yeah, that's super interesting. I think I agree with you. Also, there's like a cultural aspect of this too, where people I think have been pretty well prepared now to expect to give something for free content if it's quality. So it's, I don't know, I think it's a little dramatic for people to be jarred by asking for an email in exchange for something that's like high quality. That being said, obviously you get like one shot at that. It's got to be good because if they give you their email and it's not doesn't live yeah. up to their expectations um you know they're not they're never going to try they're never going to try it again so can you tell me a little bit more about the tech stack that powers that so it sounds like something is automatically replying to people mm-hmm. what are you using for that so, so when like they, for most of my twitter content i use tweethunter.io okay. just called tweethunter.io and um essentially like it just tracks when people reply so they don't even have to reply sing free it's just like some, like I keep it easy, like one simple word, because that's like, they just like click it, you know, like quickly. And then I'm hoping other people see the word free and they're just like, okay, like, what is this? Let me also just type free mm-hmm. and like see what I get. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I think that builds a lot of momentum. And then when tweet under like sort of tracks that people have replied free, it automatically sends them the same DM and like that DM has a link. So I say like, yo, like, thank you so much for like, you know, like replying to my tweet here's the um, page where you'll find your content. And then I link out to the page 
and they just drop their email in there. And like that page is entirely powered by Beehive. So Tweet Hunter and Beehive is what I use. Can I ask your opinion on something? Because I've been critical of this strategy in the past. And partly mm-hmm. that's just because I saw a lot of people using it all at once. Um, why, in your view, have people reply if you could just post the link straight to the Beehive page inside the tweet? Like if you, uh, if you could say, I just created this swipe file. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the link. Why do that? Is it is it that the reply builds like a, an extra layer of commitment or why have the reply at all? So like this, this sort of goes to like my marketing psychology stuff. And like I ran like a small A-B test on this before actually. And so what I did was usually what I do is I um, write like a tweet saying like this Thursday I wrote about X, Y, and Z. If you want to check it out, grab it here. Right. And like that gets like, I don't know, like say like 20 to 100 clicks, mm. for example. Right. The next week, what I tried was I did the same giveaway tactic where I was like, okay, like um, it was something about Steve Jobs and like how he uses this marketing tactic. And I was like, if you want to learn more, comment free on this tweet and I'll send it to you. And I got like 200 comments that day and 200 people reading my newsletter. So I think it, it all comes down to like that sort of even artificial exclusivity that you can like, you know, like bring out in people and like sort of induce that scarcity effect, right? Like when people think it's like scarce, they want to go more for it. So you'll see a lot of people saying only free for the first 750 people. Like that also works well because people are like, you know, I don't want to regret not typing in free because I can't do it later. So might as well just do it now and like take what I can get. And like, I feel like that's, that's that's what's at play here because when you just put the link in first the algorithm doesn't like that so you you anyways like don't get seen by most of your audience so that sort of pushes it down but when you do the tweet giveaway it's like one scarcity two like momentum racks up right mm-hmm. when you put the link people just click the link but when you put that giveaway thing everyone's commenting free and then their audience sees it and then their audience sees it so like it just goes on and on so i think that's yeah, why it works a lot better that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, you give me some new things to think about there. Yeah, um, and you can do that without even the gated stuff. So if you're like against, which which I completely understand, if you're against like asking people to drop their email to see some sort of content, like this this giveaway that I'm talking about that I did with Steve Jobs' example was just like a link to a page. Like there was no gated content. Hmm. So you can do that as well and just get more eyeballs on your content, hoping that some of them will convert. That's really interesting. Yeah, I personally, I don't, and one of the reasons I bring it up is that, well, I would say personal curiosity, but then also because I'm on the record as having said, like, just share the content. So I know somebody listening to this is going to hear, if I don't push back on this, they're going to hear this and be like, well, what about the time Ethan tweeted this and just said how ridiculous this is? So I, um, I am not against gating content. Mm-hmm. I think the reason that I had pushed back on it on Twitter was that like, you know what it is for me? It's a format thing. I think a lot of people all of a sudden started using the exact same structure on the tweet. And you see it everywhere. Everybody who's here, who's listening to this on Twitter knows exactly what we're talking about, whether it's this giveaway or like threads, you know, there's like a couple of people who are innovating thread formats, but then everybody Mm -hmm. just copies them across the board. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I've got some like snobbish opinions on that, but yeah. I agree with what you're saying about the, like the algorithm and how your reach expands if you force different kinds of engagement on a tweet. And that's really yeah. interesting. And um, yeah, I'm going to think about this some more. I also think it could be fun. Like 
I would be more, I would be less resistant to this if for my, like for myself personally, if I were to do it in a way that matched my voice better. So like, instead of saying comment, comment like free or, you know, give me or something like that. Like, I think there's an opportunity to kind of make a joke there or put something in that matches whatever your voice is as a publication. And I'm just thinking through this for myself. I'm like, well, maybe if I saw that, I I wouldn't have, I I would be less reactive to this, just more voice. But overall, I think the strategy is super interesting. You mentioned another one that I really wanted to dig into and understand more about. So you said that you are also growing, you're using LinkedIn a lot to grow the newsletter. Can you talk to me about how you're doing that? Um, whatever I write on Twitter, copy paste and like hit publish on LinkedIn. That's pretty much the strategy. And like actually lately, um, like a couple of like my friends were like also creators and I have been discussing like, um, about like the LinkedIn strategy and like how they're like pushing creators so much and there's so much more opportunity for growth there. So like in the next few weeks, I'm like experimenting with like a LinkedIn first approach where I write the content that suits LinkedIn better first. And then I just like treat Twitter almost as an afterthought where I'm like, okay, like this is already on LinkedIn. I'm just going to copy paste, maybe shorten it a bit. Cause like LinkedIn allows for longer posts, shorten it a bit and like post it on Twitter. And I want to see how that does for like growth and like, just like traction in terms of the newsletter. Almost like uh, is, would you consider that's like what Jack Rains is doing right now? Or is that is <laughs> slightly different? Um, Slightly different in the sense that I'm not that funny, but like, okay. um, yeah, I think pretty much the same less so of like i think he does like long posts and then he takes a screenshot and posts it across mm-hmm. um mine is more like just like long posts i shorten them down and then i post those on twitter so i think that's the difference yeah. and for and for anybody who isn't familiar with jack he runs a newsletter called young money which is a finance newsletter and he absolutely trolls the hell out of linkedin so he'll post things like um you know, my in my city, they're offering, what was it, like uh, $10 if you get vaccinated. <laughs> so I've been vaccinated like 180 times or something like that. Um, and he'll, he'll, he'll write these long, involved, ridiculous money posts and post them to LinkedIn. And it absolutely stirs panic every single time. <laughs> so um, just to, hmm. to drill in a little bit closer on the LinkedIn thing, because I think there's a lot of people who have sort of like recognized that Twitter you know, there's a lot of opportunity there to grow, but not a lot of people are focusing on LinkedIn. If mm-hmm. I remember from our first conversation, you had mentioned something about like a curation strategy there too, where you were like sharing popular tweets from from creator friends on LinkedIn in like a roundup format or something like that. Do yeah. you, am, I, am I getting that right? And can you just talk me through a little bit more of how that's how how that works and, and if it's been effective? Yeah. So um so like I basically launched a business page on LinkedIn called psychology and marketing. And what essentially that does is like I curate tweets based on like marketing psychology or marketing from like other creators. I take a screenshot of that. I post it on the, like the business page. Um, and like, I give them credit in the first line. This is more of like, just like curations of content related to marketing psychology and like getting more eyeballs directly or indirectly on psychology and marketing as a brand. So it's more of like an awareness play. Um, and like that did pretty well. Like it, it's very like fairly simple to grow. You just post like one, you take like one Twitter thread, turn it into a carousel, which is basically like on LinkedIn when you must have like, if you scroll and you like see those PDFs where you can just keep swiping, right? That's basically like a carousel. So I would turn a thread into a carousel. And then um, when you do that, that gets quite a bit of traction. 
and I used to have like a small PS saying like, you want to learn more about marketing psychology, go here. That would take them to the Beehive link. And so that being said, like it was easy to grow the business page, but I've stopped doing it since because one, um, the quality of subscribers may have been good, but the quantity was very less. Like you add only like say um, five every post that you do. And like, that's not like, I like, you know, like, that's not like just a priority on my list if I'm adding just five a day. Mm-hmm. So I like, I've been like stopping that for now. But the other thing is like, you want, when you post it and like, you want to maintain the focus on your brand, I think it's unfair to have like other people's content there in some way. So like, it, it just felt like pretty uncomfortable to do that. And like that paired with like barely any traction was just like, okay, like might as well like stop doing this. But yeah, that was something that I used to do before. And that got me like quite a few subs when a couple of like carousels went viral and mm-hmm. they have like 50% open rates, which is great. But oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But like not, not enough in terms of volume and like just feels a little weird. So I stopped. That is, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. I think what I like about, or one of the things that I like about your approach is that you're like, you seem very quick to act on new ideas. And, and there's this term called like, I think it's pronounced bricolage, which has to do with um, taking things that exist and like reformatting them in new ways, creating new ideas out of existing ideas. And I think you do a really interesting job of this across your different growth efforts. Um, Are there any other growth hacks or channels or initiatives that, that you've tried that have been like surprisingly effective that you're going to either continue or, or iterate on? Um, one, let me just shut the air conditioner so it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I'm like one thing, like it's, it's not really a strategy, but like the recommendation network on Beehive is like amazing, high quality subscribers, high volume. Um, and like, it, it's like, it's basic logic, right? Like if you meet your audience where they already are, like they're all like already invested or like interested in newsletters. So like by extension, when they come to your newsletter, they're going to be like pretty regular with it. So I think it's not really a strategy per se, like basically just go out there and network with like creators in your space at like the same level as you in terms of like newsletter subscribers and like try to like, you know, like recommend each other, help each other grow. That's been like super helpful for me in like at least the last one or two months. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's funny. I hadn't thought about this until just now, but um, you know, I interviewed a lot of people who were early to the newsletter space and one of the most effective things for them, they would, uh, what do they call it? It's like newsletter swaps, uh, yeah. almost like, uh, you know, rappers on old albums. Um, but they would, it, the way that used to work was back in the day, you would mention somebody else's newsletter, like in the ad space for your newsletter, or somebody yeah. would have say three ad slots and they would always reserve one yeah. for mentioning somebody else's newsletter. And I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about it until just now, but you're uh, making me think that this new phase of recommendation engines, which we've seen on Beehive, also Substack does it. Um, uh, Sparkloop allows yeah. for some version of this for people who are mm-hmm. sort of like operating on the on the same ecosystem. So we're seeing it more and more. And basically what people have done is like streamline the newsletter swap. And it's yeah. interesting how that's evolved. Yeah, they've like internalized the entire tech behind like newsletter swaps, right? Like it's like more of a, you don't have to plug it every newsletter, but it's like there forever. Like whenever yeah. someone subscribed to a newsletter. But yeah, I, I also like do recommend cross promotions a lot because 
if you see the stats, like, so I get like, when my recommendations come in, they have like about 47, 48% open rates, which is like right where I wanted to be. But my average is still 50%. And the reason that is, is because the ones that come from cross promotions have an open rate of like 68% and like wow. a click rate of like 18%. Because like, I, I that that's also like a result of me reaching out to specifically marketing newsletters, like not just any random newsletters. And then like reaching out to marketing newsletters where I think the person has a pretty loyal audience. So like both of those things combined will result in like very high quality, perhaps even like high volume subscribers. So like cross promotions are definitely very helpful. Like I still do that same thing where I have like one thing in my newsletter in my secondary, in my classified section that is booked out for like a cross promotion every week. You've talked a little bit about how you stay up to date on the conversation, like on Twitter with TweetDeck. Uh, how else do you find newsletter creators that you think you might want to network with? Like, is that a thing that you do on purpose, uh, devote um, specific time to, or are you just kind of stumbling across people and making that just, judgment call as you go? Yeah, stumbling across people, making judgment calls. I don't have like a system, although I think that would be pretty helpful to have. Hmm. Um. Okay, I got a couple other questions I want to talk about. Thanks mm. for digging in on the growth thing. Again, what I what I hope people hear here is like it is it's it's possible to grow aggressively. Um I think a lot of people don't and myself included, don't come from growth marketing backgrounds. And so mm. it's easy to overemphasize the content side, underemphasize the distribution side when really distribution is going to solve a lot of your problems early on as a creator. Um uh, so I hope that was helpful for people and congratulations. It's going really well. Uh, let's talk revenue. So you guys, you said you've already done several thousand in revenue. Is that mm -hmm. strictly through Beehive's ad network or how, how, where did those customers come from? So I haven't done anything with like Beehive's ad network yet. It's been primarily like my like inbound, like offers that have come in and like me talking to them, like planning out like marketing campaigns with them and then like going ahead with that. And like, I can like walk you through like, how their entire system works, if that's helpful. For Beehive or for, or for the way you've done it so far? For the way I've done it so far. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about that. Maybe like the first sale, how did that, how did that take place? Okay, so, I mean, the first sale, I didn't have any like system in place. It was just like someone reaching out, like, um, do you take sponsorships? And I was like, like, actually no, but I was like, yeah, hell yeah, of course I take sponsorships. <laughs> and then like, I was like, okay, like how, how do I do this? And then I reached out a couple of friends and I was like, okay, like how are you doing this? What is your price? And then I just like, you know, like drill them with questions. Yeah. And then I like reply to that person with like a very like professional tone. And I was like, you know, like this will be charged X, Y, and Z. And <laughs> that's how it started. Like it was just like a little bit of me being scrappy and like, yeah. you know, like acting like I had like an entire system in place. And so, so that like seemed to work and that person bought a slot and I can like walk through the numbers as well. Like how I like calculated numbers. I think it was like my first sponsorship was at around seems like such a long time ago, maybe like 8,000 or something subscribers. And um, I was looking at like other newsletters, how they're charging and basically got a number as to like how much they charge per subscriber, like per subscriber in each newsletter. So I like came to a number of like, I don't know, for 8,000, I came to a number of like 400 or something. And like, that was more so like, I don't think it was a conservative number, but that was by design. Like I wanted to see, because I had like a specifically marketing psychology focused audience, if I could pull off a slightly higher number mm -hmm. and like, it seemed to be like working pretty well. Everyone was like, okay with like buying a slot for 400. So I was like, okay, like that seems to be fine. And then, um, 
we grew to like 10,000. And then when I hit that like 10,000 mark, I was like, okay, like I, I can step it up a notch now. And so now it's like 500 for like each primary slot. And like, this actually reminds me that I haven't increased the price in a while. So I might <laughs> be doing that soon, but we're almost booked out till the end of the year. Like just wow. like one slot left. So I just want to fill up that like one primary slot left. The secondary slot is always like more of like a hustle because like there's like three primary slots and you want to like fill up all of them. So that's kind of more painful. But um, yeah, and now the, how the entire system works after the first one, I was realized like I can't just like keep doing this. And if I want to like fill up my slots, I need to like be more proactive about doing it. So I thought about doing like cold emails and I read like your cold email sales playbook from like the hustle and how Sam Power did it. And I was like, before I even start doing that, let's see like if my audience is interested because I feel like they're probably the most interested. So what I started doing was the primary, like the introduction, my primary slot, a bit of like a trailer as to what the newsletter is going to be about and a little like into the content, into the depths. And then once the newsletter is over at the bottom, I would have like a classified section where I spoke about um, click worthy resources of the week. And I would have like four to five click worthy resources. And most of the times they're like actually stuff that I find interesting. So like four, like three out of five are like pretty much stuff that I find interesting. And then at the bottom, I would have all the, all the content that is in bold is sponsored advertisements. Click here to get yours. And oh, when, nice. when they click that, it would take them to a type form. The type form is like, is like a cool trick that I got from my friend marketing max on Twitter. And like, it, it basically like asked them like six or seven questions about their budget, why they want to do this, what success would look like and stuff like that. One is like to get more details and like get like what their goal with it is and like see if we're a fit. Like I, I don't want to take like an, like I wouldn't want to take a crypto company as a sponsor and like tank my like advertising reputation because like that's not going to get any clicks. Mm-hmm. And like my audience will also just be like, like this guy's just like, you know, like he's, he's a sellout. Like he's just doing it for the money at this point. Right. So like, I, I don't want to do that. So like one is to see if it's a fit. And second is that when they fill up this form, um, these like people who want to sponsor news that are like get more skin in the game in some way. Like they like have put an effort to finish that form. So they're more likely to like follow up or like follow through and get done with the sponsorship. And like, that's something I've noticed. Like it's worked way better. The form has worked way better in like, having people like finish through with the deal as compared to just like a normal convo on Twitter where like sometimes they just like ghost you and don't reply. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's definitely helped. And then when they fill up the type form, I get an email, I see their budget, I send them like a recommended like package. And if they buy a package, like you get a discount. So that's what I did to like fill up the entire like sponsorship. And hopefully like it'll be like completely filled up soon. That's awesome. Uh, a couple of things I want to call out for people who are listening to this. So uh, first of all, Thank you for digging into that. It's really cool for people to hear how this can look, especially early on. Um, in fact, I think this is even more robust than like most, like I think a lot of, I think a lot of people are just handling this back and forth via strict email, you know? Mm-hmm. So this is, this is pretty cool. Um, for people who are interested, Tim and I did, I think an entire episode or it was half an episode on newsletter ad strategies. So I'll link to that in the show notes. Um but you're basically following it dead on, which is like uh, the different types of ads that are inside a newsletter do different things for the business. They diversify your income. They make it easier to close clients because you can offer people things at different price ranges. So we'll uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. And then one other thing that you, I just wanted to kind of double down on that you said there was related to 
how important it is that you make sure that the audience comes first when you're picking advertisers. So one thing that uh, our like president, uh, Adam Ryan at The Hustle, he always used to say, and this was um, this was a sentiment that was like shared across the team was, you know, like everybody wins when the audience comes first in ad buying or ad like advertiser selection. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, you, you hit the nail right on the head as to why that is. It's not just because there's like a better fit and you're like suggesting things that your audience wants, but the audience is going to click more. Your advertisers are going to be happier. So you're going to start to get a reputation for like ads that produce and um, and work well and like are worth the money. So it's this, it's this snowball of positivity and the exact opposite will also happen. So for people who are, who think it's like, it, it's actually not a problem to just book out any advertiser, probably shooting yourself in the foot long-term uh, and definitely limiting like what you can eventually charge for these types of things. So uh, that's awesome, man. One thing I wanted to ask about the packages is how did you structure those? So you said like the price is like, for the lead ads around 500 bucks right now. And sorry, advertisers, that's going up soon. Yeah. The bearer of bad news. Um, But like, what do the other packages look like and how did you kind of decide on those? So um, basically like the the primary slot is 500 and then the secondary one is like 300, Mm -hmm. but you can only buy the secondary one in packs of four. And like, this was like half for like, the brands just like ease their like budget spending, but like more so for me, because I don't want to be like out there like getting people to spend 300 bucks on like, you know, like one slot and yep. like, and like asking like getting those slots filled up is a lot of work because you got to do like four each time. So, um, I, the, the way I package it, package it is, um, with the primary slots, it's you can buy one for 500, you can buy two for 450, and you can buy four for 400. For the secondary slots, you can buy a pack of four for 300 each. You can buy a pack of eight for 250 each. And you can buy a pack of 12 for 200 each. So that's that's the way I structured it. And then like when they like put in the type form with the budget, like let's say their budget is like 2000, um, depending on like, I would initially prioritize um, primary slots just to get them filled up. Um, so now that they're filled up, what I do is I prioritize the secondary slots. And I just go like, if it's 2000, I would say you should do eight um, secondary slots. And that's like 2000 right there. And if you want, I'll throw in like one primary slot on top. And like, that's, that's like how I do it. Like I, if they buy in bulk, like I usually always give like a, like a really nice discount, which is like one free slot or something like that. Right. So like, for example, someone reached out to me now with the budget of 2k, I'll just be like, okay, like buy like eight secondary slots and I'll give you like the last primary slot of the year for free. And like, for me, it's just like a pain to like actually keep selling these. And like, <laughs> I want to, I want to be more focused on like the content and the growth. Like that's yeah. like my main thing. That's where my strength is. So like, I want to stick to those, but eventually like the goal is, um, you know, like, you know what the goal is, but like eventually like the goal is to like be able to sell all of these very quickly. And, and then in terms of myself, it's so smart. And this is like one of the reasons I keep pulling you into like interviews and stuff is like you intuit so many of the things that took people like a long time to learn in the industry. You're just nailing it, dude. So um, follow up question, what technology are you using to manage the ad inventory? Is it just a Google spreadsheet? How, how do you know what's booked, what's booked when? Google spreadsheet. Like that. I, 
I used to do like um, so I have like I use like Notion to like map out like what content I need to do every week, and like I would have it in that, but then I messed up one time and like I forgot to like include a sponsor, and like I was like felt very bad. I gave them like a free primary slot like the next week and stuff like made up for it, but I I didn't want that to happen again, and what I did was like just like say what is the simplest way to do this, and like I built like a Google spreadsheet which has like the primary slots page on one, with the dates and like what sponsor I'm including. And then the secondary one on another page with like the dates, like sponsor one, sponsor two, sponsor three and cross promo. So like, that's how I like filled it up. And now it's going like, it's pretty straightforward, hard to, hard to mess up now. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And for people listening, that's exactly how we did it at the hustle too. I mean, oh, really? doing, yeah. Yeah. We were doing like 10 million plus at that point. Uh, same thing. Shared no Google way. spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. 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 With the dates running down the side and then columns for each ad, basically each ad slot. And you know, I got the got the cup for this very episode. <laughs> nice. If, um, if you're wondering how I pay for the trend subscription, the referral program is how. Oh, right. Yeah, on. yeah. Pretty, I'm like pretty close to meeting Sampa soon enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, hey, you come to Austin, we'll all have to get together and hang out. I was actually just hanging out with Sam yesterday. So <laughs> yeah, he, I saw the tweet today. He just said like, "I miss San Francisco so much," <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, why?" <laughs> Yeah, I think there's, uh, I don't know, it's Austin, um, I was surprised to see him say that. I think part of it, whatever, I'm sure he does miss San Francisco, there's a great community yeah. there. Part of it also is that, like, you know, he's a troublemaker, so it's popular <laughs> right now to say that San Francisco sucks. Um, so, you know, you know, be the guy who misses San Francisco, maybe there's going to stir the pot a little bit, but also, I think... Uh, it, it it definitely feels like a lot of the community has shifted to Austin. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm betting on that as, as well. Yeah. I hope to be there at some point. So, yeah. Well, this was awesome, man. I I'm sure we're gonna have to have you back to do a round two. Uh, but I want to thank you for sort of like breaking open your growth playbook and talking about like all the stuff that you've been working on. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Very awesome to um, see somebody who like does so much of this naturally. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to shout out for people listening that they should go check out? I mean, we're going to link off to psychology and marketing to newsletters 101. We'll link off to the blog as well. We didn't even get a chance to talk about our theory about blogs, but we'll have to, like I said, yeah. we'll have to do a round two. Uh, anything else you want to shout out? No, I think that's about it. Like just like the two newsletters, the three newsletters actually <laughs> for now, maybe by like next time we'll have a couple more on there. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think, definitely want to have a chat with you again because there's a lot that I want to talk about as well and like a lot of like news that are specific like outside of my newsletter but like more so like what the goal is next year with news that is and like how you're dealing with it and like how you're going about it and like what I want to do in the future with news that is I think that's something that I would like you know like want to talk out with you maybe in public as well right so like I think everyone would find that advice helpful totally yeah we'll definitely have to do that and then uh like I said if you come to Austin we'll have to do like a little newsletter powwow and maybe we'll record that one too. There's a whole bunch of people here who are doing cool things in the space. So hundred percent. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome, man. Okay. Well, for everybody listening, hope this was helpful. Definitely be sure to check out Abby. We'll link to the uh, website and his newsletters uh, at, on uh, and Twitter. Twitter handles Abhishek Shah one, seven, three. So I'll, I'll link off to that obviously. Yeah. But I don't think um, a lot of them will be able to spell that, but <laughs> you probably link that. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but you know, check out the show notes for all the links and check it out. We'll talk to you guys all next week. Thanks for tuning in. Later. Thank you, man, Ethan.